Today we're going to be in the book of John and we finish up the book of 1st John the last time I was here and uh, today we'll be in the book of John and I've said 1st John so many times that I have a hard time even saying John without adding the first to it but I just basically want to introduce the book today a little bit today and uh, I don't know how much further we'll get than that but uh, I just wanted to speak about this book. The book of John is the Gospel of John. It's a unique book. It's uh, written by the by the disciple John, the one that Jesus loved. Uh, he also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Revelation. And it focuses on who Jesus is and where he came from. And the whole key verse to the the key verses to the whole book is over in uh, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, if I can get my Bible there. And it says in, in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it says, uh, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in these books, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So he's talking about many other signs that Jesus did, but those aren't written about. But these signs, what is these? Referring to the signs, these are written that you may believe that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And so the whole reason the book of John was written was because we want to know that Jesus is God in human flesh. And so John doesn't put a genealogy in there. He doesn't put a, a, a birth narrative. He doesn't put a, a, any of that stuff, a manger scene. But he goes straight to the heart of the matter. In John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so it's uh, the whole reason this book is written is because John wants us to understand that Jesus is God in human flesh. And, you know, so many things, so many people, so many groups, so many people have said that Jesus is just a man, a good man, or he's, you know, a prophet, or he was one of many, or he's a God, or, but the Bible says that he is the God. And some people will try to take that verse, first verse, and they say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. They take out the definite article, but He is the God, the only God, the only one God. And so John writes about it, and he uses the word believe about a hundred times. And this is an evangelistic gospel, because this is the book that we give folks when when we want them to believe on Jesus Christ and trust Christ as their Lord and Savior, we usually hand them the Gospel of John. And so it's evangelistic. It's written to bring people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word believe is used in the Gospel. And like I said, the word believe doesn't refer to like a one-time prayer or walking an aisle. And I know a lot of people say, well, I walked an aisle or I said a prayer and you know, or I, I remember a time when I trusted Christ. That's great. But John says believing is not only having done it at one time, but it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. 
believing is following Jesus Christ. It's living for Him every day. Just as Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and follow me. And it's also apologetic. Not apologetic because He's apologizing, but it's written to convince readers that Jesus is the true God-man. And there are also seven miracles, seven key miracles in here. And uh, Jesus turns water into wine, and He uh, heals a nobleman's son, He heals a lame man, He feeds 5,000 people, He walks on the water and He steals a storm, He uh, heals a child blind from birth, and then He raises Lazarus from the dead. And every one of those show that Jesus is master over life. He's master over death. He's master over distance. He's master over time. He's master over nature. He's master over the world. And that's what John is writing this book. And remember, he also writes the seven I am statements. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He says, I am the bread of life. And he goes on to speak about all those seven signs, those seven I am statements. And so Jesus is the great I am. When they came to get him in the garden, what did he say? They said, who do you seek? And he said, Jesus. And he said, I am. And when he was saying I am, he was saying he was God. In human flesh. Because remember what happened over there in the book of uh, Exodus. Moses is uh, sees the burning bush. And he stops and he says, uh, what is this sight? This bush is burning, but it's not burning up. And he looks at it and he sees it and he stops. And, and God speaks to him through the bush and he says, "You know, Moses, take your shoes off because this is holy ground. And he says, well... After he tells him all the things he wants him to do, he says, Well, who do I, who should I say sent me? And he said, Say that I am sent you. Not that I was, not that I will be, but I am because God has always existed. He, he has never not existed. He will never ever not exist. So he's, I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. And so there's seven miracles. There's seven uh, key signs or seven key people in this book, seven key witnesses, and they all witness to the fact that Jesus is God in human flesh. And so, the first three verses really, in the beginning of the book, the first eighteen verses really tell us the the outline of the book and the prologue. Really, a prologue is if you ever read any good book. What do they tell you in the beginning of the book? They usually tell you what they're going to talk about, right? And so in the beginning of the book, the first 18 verses, what John does is he kind of gives us a synopsis of what he's going to talk about for the rest of the book. And then as he goes into the rest of the book, he expands on that. And if you've ever read your Bible very much, you've seen that uh, Paul does that and Peter and a lot of those guys. You say, well, I just read about that. Yeah, you did, but you didn't read about it in the detail you're fixing to read about it. Because what Paul will do is introduce a subject. And then he expounds on that. He elaborates on it. He brings out all the details. And that's what John's going to do. The first 18 verses, 
He's going to tell us what he's going to talk about in the 20 chapters of this book. And then he's going to uh, expound on that. He's going to give us the details. But like I said, this is a unique book. It's not really a synoptic because it really doesn't... uh, you know, uh, go along with the other Gospels. The other three, you can kind of put them together. But there's a lot of things in the book of John that's unique. It's not in the other Gospels. And God and John has a specific pers- purpose and a specific reason for this Gospel, just like the other writers did. You know, Matthew wrote to the Jews, and Mark wrote to the to the Romans, and uh, and Luke wrote to the Gentiles. And so John's writing to everybody and says, look, Jesus is God in human flesh. And that's what we need to understand, that God, who lived in the heavens, as he says in John 3.16, he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so, as we look at this book this morning, let's just crack the beginning of the book this morning. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now this really parallels Genesis chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth, right? And that's really what he's doing is he's paralleling that. And so he says, in the beginning, what? The beginning of time as we know it, the beginning of space, the beginning of matter, the beginning of everything as we know it, God was there. This Word was there. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so he says that word was refers to the pre-existence of Christ. You know, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, right? And you can go over to John 8, 58, and you can read one of the great uh, I am statements in John 8, 58, where uh, Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. In Proverbs 8.23, I'm just going to read a couple of verses to you. It says, I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. In John 17.5, it says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory which I had with you before the beginning of the world. And so this term... Word is a, is a term that's applied by John to Jesus. And what he says here is the word is, he uses this term because in him are hidden all the treasures of the Godhead. Treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this word, this term word is because God speaks to us through Jesus. And he also speaks back to God for us. See, Jesus is not only the message of who God is, but He's also the messenger, right? So He comes to tell us about who He is and and why He loves us and how He cares for us and and all these things. And, you know, it's amazing to me that, that God would send His Son 
that God would come down to earth and He would live in a human body for 33 years and live a perfectly sinless life so that we might have eternal life. That's what He did. Revelation 19.13 says, He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and His name is the Word of God. So that word speaks of the word in Genesis 1-3 where God's amazing mind thought up the worlds and the universe and all the created things including us. And He spoke it into being. That's what it says. He spoke it into being. And He also speaks to us from God and to, from us to God. And I want to turn one more place over here in Hebrews chapter uh, 1. And, and to go back to what I said about him being God's messenger to us, because see, he speaks to us, and it says in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, said, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Listen whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image or the exact image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins or cleansed our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus created everything. He spoke to us. He's an exact image of God. He's uh, glory, the brightness of His glory. So He is God in human flesh. And so this word, this term word, it was a, it was a term, the logos is the word in Greek. And, and what, what John was doing was he was trying to suck the Jews in and he was trying to suck the Greeks in because, see, the Greeks... When they wrote all their great novels and all their, uh, I forget what they call them, like those Greek odysseys with Homer and all that stuff. When they wrote that, what they would do is they would say, they would use this term logos. And they would say this logos was this divine being, this divine whatever it is, power that brought order out of chaos. And they would go, wow, we're going to finally get to find out what that is that made everything, that brought order out of chaos. And then the Greeks would say, well, wisdom is really what we think God is. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And, and uh, all wisdom comes from God and Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And they would say, well, how come He didn't use that word wisdom? And they would kind of be sucked in too. And so they would be wanting to figure out what is John talking about? And they would want to know what's going on with John. And they would say, well, let's read this book and see what John's talking about. And so he wants to use this term because he wants to let us know that, that Jesus is God's message to us. And he's God's messenger. And he speaks to us. And he speaks for us. Because you know later on it says in Hebrews it says after Jesus had died on the cross it said that he is a mediator for us. And what that means is he, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He prays for us to God.
And so he's praying for us. Remember how he prayed for Peter? He said, Peter, I prayed for you that you fail not. And when you have turned back, go and strengthen the brethren. And so he was praying not that he wouldn't fail. You say Peter failed. He, he meant that he would ultimately and finally fail and quit and fall away from God is what he was praying that he wouldn't do that. And which he couldn't because he was truly saved. And so he says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Remember some folks will say that that... that the word was a God. But remember, the Bible uses a definite article here. I'm not an English major. My son is. I wish I knew as much English as he did. But it says the word was God. It is a definite article. He's not a God. He's not one of the gods. He's not one of many gods. He is the God. The only God. And if you didn't get it, that he was in the beginning... And he was there with God. He says it again. He says he was in the beginning with God. And so, you know, we can look many, many places and we can look in a lot of things and see what, see what God has to say about it. I want to turn over to one of the passages in Isaiah chapter uh, 6. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of people just don't understand that uh, Jesus is God. You know, in the Old Testament, Jesus Jesus is called Lord in the New Testament, right? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, that word Lord is used, I don't know how many times. But here in Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and above the train of his robe filled the temple. And then down there in verse 3 it says, And one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so it says right there that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that he is God of very God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the Godhead dwell, dwells bodily. Now some people will say that Jesus never claimed to be God. But Jesus claimed it many times. That's why they wanted to kill him. That's why the Pharisees wanted to kill him. It's because when he said before Abraham was I am. They knew he was saying he was God. They knew that was what he was saying. When he said I and my father are one. They knew what he was saying. He was claiming to be God. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 and 16 is a good verse too. We just read the one over there in Hebrews and it said that he made everything right. He created everything. He spoke it into being. But guess what? This one says the same thing over here. It says he is the image of the invisible God. The Bible says God is a spirit, right? But... Jesus came down and he took on the form of a man. He took on a human body. It says he is the firstborn over all creation. For in him all th- for by him all things were created that are in heaven that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or dominions or powers. 
All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Then in all things he might have the preeminence. So he says that he's God right there. He created everything. He spoke it. That he made all things, and all things were made by him and for him. And that he says he holds it all together. And you know what's neat about the Bible? It says here, he says he made all things visible and invisible. You know what everything's made up of? Atoms and neutrons and protons. And now they get down to quarks and whatever all these little things are. And they say when they bust open that quark, which a quark is a piece of a proton or a neutron. It's one of the smallest things they've been able to find of an atom. And when they bust that open, they figure they're going to find something smaller than that. But we didn't even know there were atoms until 1940-something, right? Or 1930-something. What was it? Uh, Madame Curie and whatever that other guy is. And they busted the atom and then we were able to have the atom bomb. But the Bible will tell you all kinds of stuff. Talks about the sun going on a circuit, about the winds having a current, about the waves having, the, the oceans having currents. It tells us all kinds of things. So we ought to know that it was written by God. But Jesus spoke it all into being. Let me read one more thing right here. And I, and I just want to read this one more thing right here in Philippians chapter 2. And we'll quit. Chapter 2 verse 5 through 11. He says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? Up above he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. He said, let each of us look out not only for our own interest, but for the interest of others. He says, who being in the form of God. That word form is the word that really means means to literally be God. There's a word that, that morphe, and then there's a word metamorphosis. And the word here, form, literally means to be God. That I am a man, I am a human being. It means that Marty being in the form of a human being. I am literally a human being, literally being in the form of a man. I am a man. He says, who being in the form of God, literally being God, did not consider Robert to be equal with God. Because why? He was God, but made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant. He literally become a servant. And he came in the likeness of man. He looked like a man. And being found in the appearance of a man, he, he looked like a man. He acted like a man because guess what? He was a man. He was 100% God and 100% man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Now that's not the name he gets. Every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He gets the name Lord because he died on the cross. He died for our sins. And he is the one that deserves to be worshipped. And so don't ever let anybody tell you that Jesus is just a man or a good man, or he's just a prophet, or he was just one of many gods. 
But the Bible says he is God, a very God. He is the God, the only God, the one and only God. And he is the word. And that's what we need to talk about today. And so I hope and pray that that was clear today and it made some sense to y'all. And I hope I didn't go a little overboard with all the explanation. But, you know, really, so many folks today, they don't want to believe that Jesus is God. And, you know, God wants us to understand how much He loved us and why He sent His Son and why He died on the cross for our sins. Well, let's pray. Father, we ask today that You would just work in our hearts and help us to to believe that You are our God, that You've died on that cross, You died in our place, You died for our sins. And I pray that You would help us to understand the truth about who you are and how much you loved us. Father, I pray that you would uh, just work in our hearts and help us to grow closer to you. And if there's somebody here today that doesn't know for sure if they're truly saved and don't know if they died today, they'd go to heaven. You said that you wrote these things through John because that we might believe Jesus is the Christ and that believing we might have life in his name. Because you said whoever believes... On the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Whoever calls on him believes that he died in their place, died for our sins, and there's nothing we can do, but he did it all. And we put our trust in that and ask him to forgive us and save us on that basis. You said that we can be forgiven and we can go to heaven one day and be with you and we can be a child of yours. You said as many as believed, you gave the right to have eternal life. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing number uh, 41. Uh, In my heart there rings a melody. And we'll sing that one.